Hola y bienvenidos al nuevo episodio de Black Country Ramble. Tenemos una hincha de West Bromwich Albion y una hincha de los lobos de Wolver... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I just got all Spanish, JB. JB, how are you? It's lovely to be Very good. Well, I then. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, better than was. Bit of a ropey Christmas, bit poorly. Um, I think everyone in the UK was, to be fair, mate. But um, yeah, back to business now, mate. Good, good to be back in the saddle. It certainly is. Um, it has been a little while since we've been able to record. It was pre-World Cup. Um, and the plan was to come back just after the World Cup. But as JB said, then uh, Christmas was uh, almost impossible to record around, as busy as everybody is. Um, we also just couldn't find the time between JB getting out of bed and being well enough to record. So yeah. new year, new JB is feeling well. Um, and we are able to record for the first time in 2023. So happy new year. And... I am a particularly happy Albion fan at the moment. A lot happier than I was last time we recorded. Um, and JB, you're a little bit happier than you were as well. Early days, but happy with the appointment? Fantastic appointment. Listen, really, really good appointment. Um, as good as we could have expected and hoped for. Um, excuse me. It is early days, absolutely. Um, I know we'll sort of go into it in a little bit more depth in a bit. But yeah, there's been a massive upturn in the performance and style of play, how we're sort of doing things. Um I think if you'd have said to me on Boxing Day over your next three games between Everton away, United at home and Villa away, you'd pick up four points. I'd have took that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously, again, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a bit, you know, disappointed not to come away with three points against against Villa, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But if you'd have said four points in those three games over, the, over that sort of mini Christmas period, New Year period, I'd have probably took that in a heartbeat. Um, so, yes, there are good signs. We're still right in the mix and it's still not as clear as day, shall I say, that I think some Wolves fans just think we'll, we will be fine, we'll, we'll get out of it and it'll all be gravy sort of thing. That, 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 there is a little bit of that floating around and I tend to err on the side of caution around that because even though I do think we'll be okay, it's very, very tight and teams are picking up points and, and it, it's not difficult to get out of a Premier League relegation battle as, as we, we both know from past experiences. But we'll get into it in a bit. But yeah, definitely erring on the side of positivity now rather than where we were probably the last time we recorded. Yeah, absolutely, JB. Before we do get into the um, Spanish Revolution at Albion and the uh, nascent Spanish Revolution at Wolves, I want to do a very quick trivia question. It's FA Cup this weekend. It's third round weekend. Everybody loves third round weekend. Um, so in that theme, we are going to do a little bit of trivia. I've got... Two questions, JB. Okay. First question is, in 1954, West Bromwich Albion won the FA Cup. Who won the league that year? Who won the league? Do you know, that year? you know what? I feel like this is a conversation. Did Wolves win it? They did, mate. That was the warm-up trivia question. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, a, I, I, a, a big fan of the pod, John Dre, a big Albion fan of a work with fellow fellow teacher at my school, and um, he massive Albion fan. We had this conversation about the nine fifty four thing. He's well into his sort of historical side of things with with the football. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit of a guess, really, to be honest with you. I should know that really as a Wolves fan, but yeah, yeah, you won it. <laughs> You're sorry. Presume that was the last time you won it. I would have thought absolutely. Absolutely, I would have thought so. Yeah, we had, we had a positive spell in the set, late seventies, early eighties. Um, I don't claim to be a historical buffer around Wolves, to be honest with you. You know, I know we were successful in certain periods, but you yeah. know, um, 
Nice. On, on that theme, um, I am reading a book at the moment called Team of the Century uh, by Dave Bowler, who's an Albion historian, and it is about Albion's 1953-54 team. Um, obviously finished second in the league to Wolves that year and won the FA Cup, but they were touted in the press as the team of the century for how uh, well they played football. Um, so yeah, if you are interested, Albion fans, check that out. Very good book. Uh, second question, JB, is more Wolves-themed. Um, Albion have five FA Cup wins. Wolves have four. We are very, very, very successful in the FA Cup as a rivalry. Wolves' first FA Cup win was in 1893, going all the way back. JB, you said you're not a historian. Wolves have gone on to win the FA Cup in three different decades since then. So, for example, the 70s, the 1920s, yeah. and the 90s, for example. Yeah. I don't want the year because you are, admittedly, you are not a Wolves yeah. historian, but which three decades did Wolves win the FA Cup in in the 20th century? This is going to be a complete guess. Um, I would say, oh, God, probably get pelters for this, you know. Yeah, but you weren't, um, you weren't born, like, I wouldn't Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, which is ironically because I had a book for Christmas last year, which is sort of went through the Wolves history, actually, which shows my sort of wow. Memory, whoever, whoever bought you that is is livid at the moment. You clearly never read it. I think it was my old man. I think <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it was, no, it was. It was the missus. It was either the missus or Brooke, my daughter, one of them two. Uh, you, so, you'll be fine. Then they won't listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> if your dad, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say the. I'm gonna say the. Nineteen hundreds, nineteen fifty, and nineteen seventies. You, you got the first one. Nineteen uh, hundreds, yeah, they won it in the north. Okay, um, and then you're very close. They won it in nineteen forty nine. So you can't <laughs> that. But you're very close. <laughs> and then and then nineteen sixty. So they sandwiched the fifties with an FA Cup win, but didn't win <laughs> in the fifties. And then the seventies yeah. wrong. Um, but just as the fun, JB. Not been the league cup we won in the. 70s. We had a we were, we were we were pretty successful in the 70s, I think. Let me have a look. It was um, 1972 or something like that. Cup success in the 60s to 80s. Yeah. Um 72. Am I making that up or no? No, I'm sure there is a because it, it there's a big section on your Wikipedia page which is cup success in the 60s and 70s. Open brackets 1960 to 1980. Um can't find league runners up. Third place finish, promoted in 1967. I don't know, I can't, hang on, let me just, Wolves, major cup wins. I'm sure there's Wolves fans at home thinking, yeah, obviously it's this year and that year. Um, yeah, absolutely. No idea as an Albion fan. The Wolves website isn't very helpful here either. It just says that they've won 17 major trophies, um, including two League Cups. We'll find out later. I don't know. Um Anyway, JB, that's enough about historic um, questions about Wolves. I want to talk modern day and I want to talk Albion first, JB. Because yes. Spanish Sorry, Revolution... Oh, do you know what? Sorry, we'll, we'll jump on. onto that. League Cup winners, 1973-74. So I think I said 70 times close and 79-80. There you go, JB. They won the Football League Trophy in 87-88 and the FA Charity Shield in 1954-55 and 59-60. And we also won the Texaco Cup which was the a European tournament in 1970. Nice. There we are. 
champions of the Texaco Cup. God. You'll never sing. You know, we actually sing. We actually sing to a cup when we play Man City and United. We won the Asia trophy on every season tournament. We, we chuck that up there. Really. Champions of Asia, you'll never win that. Good. I listen. I listen to another good podcast called Football Cliches. Um, if you if you're listening at home and you don't listen to that podcast, give it a go. It's hilarious. It's uh, one of the athletic podcasts. It's just about the language of football. And they were talking about there or thereabouts um, this week. And there was a, a supercut of managers saying there or thereabouts. Like, we'll be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. There or thereabouts. And loads of them were Steve Bruce. Like <laughs> most of them were Steve Bruce in this supercut. It was really funny. And um, then a Villa fan replied to that on Twitter with a video of two, of two Villa away ends singing there or thereabouts you'll never sing that <laughs> kind of a variation on that which I thought yeah. was absolutely class um but yeah um a, a big digression there but let's get yes. back to what we're going to talk about um it's been a little while but we do like to talk about Albion and Wolves here so we're going to start with Albion then move on to Wolves um and discuss what's going well really I want I, I obviously what's going well at Albion at the moment but I feel like it's going to be largely positive on Wolves as well <laughs> JB, yes, mate. Did you foresee eight wins in ten um, on the horizon for Albion after Steve Bruce's last game? Absolutely not. Um, however, I know it sounds silly. Each game I've looked at, I mean, they've, they've picked up a couple of really good results, but a lot of the results that when I've looked at Albion's fixtures, when you know we got to the weekend, midway, I've looked at each game. It's all about. I'm not saying you've had a fate. I'm not. I'm not. Um, watering down what Corbett's done. I think he's done a phenomenal job and he, he's literally put you in as good a position as what any Albion fan could have dreamed of early November. Um, but I, I feel like the, the team, the one you've had has almost been quite favourable. That might, I might be completely wrong. I just felt like every time I've looked at the pieces, I've gone, yeah, fancy Albion, yeah, fancy Albion, yeah, fancy Albion, um, sort of thing. But either way, that, 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 that doesn't matter because you've literally took advantage. Even if you have had a favourable run of 10 games against teams you expected to win, you've done eight out of 10. And, and, and that is a phenomenal achievement. And it's uh, I don't think you're wrong, JB. I, I think, I think you are right to say we've had a favourable run and I'll just read those really quickly. Um, Sheffield United at home, Blackpool at home, QPR away, Stoke at home, Sunderland away, Rotherham at home, Coventry away, Bristol City away, Preston at home, Reading at home. Um, yeah. So it's a mix. Like you, you don't, you wouldn't expect to go away to Loftus Road or Sunderland and win maybe the majority of your games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of places to go. Um, so they're good results. The Sheffield United one, I don't really know whether to count it in the Corboran rain. He, yeah. He took over on the Thursday, I think. Took training. Yeah. Took the match on the Saturday. And it was like like turning out a Steve Bruce team, really. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then from that moment onwards, things changed. But anyway, um, I, I I can't remember a time as an Albion fan where we've gone into a run of um, eight or nine favourable games and expected to be picking up points against teams that we should. Um, he's he's done an incredible job to instill confidence in a side that looked devoid of confidence, um, and he's done it so quickly. Maybe under Billich, we were going into games with with that air of arrogance where it was like we could we have the players to beat anyone in this league. Uh, but other than that, it's really hard to remember a time as an Albion fan where even with a favourable run of fixtures, we've picked up this amount of points. Um, it's, it's really, really encouraging. The other side of that coin, JB, and you make a really good point. Um, in the next month, we've got to play Luton away, 
Burnley away and Birmingham away. Um, not easy fixtures. Um, we will eventually slow. Like we're not going to win eight out of ten games every single time. You know, from here from here to the end of the season. But now we're going to go into those games as a massive challenger. Whereas Burnley away, even Luton away or Blues away, like under Bruce towards the end, it was like, well, we're not, we're not going to get anything here. We, we wouldn't go into that game expecting to win. So if we're thinking that as fans and the players definitely weren't thinking it. Um, anyway, the Corbett revolution um, has been largely built on defensive solidity. You watch Albion and you think, well, there's a, we're going to concede at some point. You know, Alex Palmer's been excellent. But the back four of um, Furlong, Townsend, O'Shea and Peters has been surprisingly brilliant. Um, Paul Bartley looked great at first when under Corbran. Uh, but he's not in. He's not fit at the moment. Ajay is fit and can't get in the team at the moment. So Eric Peters, fair play. Um, and Townsend and Furlong look a little bit rejuvenated on the core run as well, which is nice. But here's a, a stat which most um, most non-Albion fans won't know: we haven't conceded an open play goal since the 29th of October. And I know there was a World Cup break in there, but that's nine games without conceding an open play goal, which is ludicrous we've conceded two penalties in that time but to not concede from open play for just under a quarter of the season is crazy um, and that's promotion form that's not playoff form that's like running away with the top two form uh, annoyingly the top two are also predictably playing to top two standards so we haven't caught up on much um but we are a real real force to be reckoned with again uh, what, I don't know what Corbrand has managed to do with the likes of Matty Phillips and Townsend and even Furlong, like I mentioned. But these players just look like they're not the same players that they were playing under Bruce. They are so, so confident. Um, it's it's chalk and cheese, really, to how we were. Um, and I love it. We've got this tactical flexibility in games where... Whatever the whatever the game, whatever the situation, we, this doesn't mean we're going to have the ball 100% of the time, but we're controlling the game. We're either compact and inviting teams onto us and breaking, or we're taking the initiative and playing brilliant football in the final third. Um, it, it really has been awesome at times. And we, we haven't maybe scored as many goals as we should have done in the core round because we're still missing a lot of chances. However, now when we miss chances, it's like, okay, it's fine. There'll be another one. And then you've got someone like DK to take it, or you've got Brandon Thomas Asante who might take it, Jed Wallace chipping in. And that reminds me of the Billich team that went up, that we're really sharing the goals around now. Um, we were very reliant on Carlin Grant under Bruce, and now Carlin Grant can't get a kick, um, which probably shows his lack of tactical now. This is maybe harsh on Carlin Grant, but... You won't play for Corbran unless you do your job really well. And the wingers have a have a very important job tracking back. And it almost becomes like a back six to stop overlapping wingers and wing backs coming onto Albion. So Carlin Conrad's not going to get in the team above Asante or DK as a striker. And he's definitely not going to get in as a winger over Phillips or Wallace, who are 100 miles an hour, full energy, going to track back. Um, but there you go. I'm properly rambling now, JB. Um, but we're at a, a juncture in the season now where we're thinking, okay, New Year, FA Cup weekend. We've got the prospect of a cup run, um, which does tend to help a good championship team. But we've got the prospect of a cup run. We've got 
just under half a season to go. We're back where we want to be. We're in the playoff hunt. We're one point outside the playoffs. It's a question of how far can we go? I I don't I don't know. I part of me is thinking, can we catch the top two? I, am I insane, JB? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Moving on. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. <laughs> I, I'm taking the mick. I understand the optimism around it. You've won eight out of ten. You've literally gone from bottom of the league to one point out of the playoffs, and you're the third best form team in the league. Why wouldn't you be optimistic? I get it. I'd be exactly the same. Um, and the thing is, we've always said about Albion, even when when you were shooting under Bruce, you know, on paper, I know that fucking phrase, on paper, on paper, on paper. But on paper, you know, you've got a, a very, very good championship squad. Yeah. You know, and that's the reality of it. And all he needed was a decent championship manager with a bit of pedigree, a bit of nous, you know, a bit of class, been there, done it sort of thing, you know, not a bit of a, not dinosaur-esque, you know, to come in and, 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 and implement that. And that's what Corbrand's done. Listen, I look, I look at, you know, you look at, is it, is it 11, 12 points, the gap between Albion and Burnley, uh, Sheffield United, is it? 11 points, I think. Let me, let me double check. I had the form table open. Um, I was looking sure. at that one. It makes Albion look... Really, really good. Um, we are on 38 points, Chef United are on 51 points. So it's That's a 13 a, point gap. Yeah. It's a bit it's a big gap to 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 to, to cut off. It's a big gap to cut on the top top side. Yeah, yeah, I think I think probably probably the top two is probably out of reach. Playoffs, very, very much anyone's game. Um You've got a lot of teams banging form. I've mentioned him on the pod before. Spreaders, my boss at work, big, big Middlesbrough fan. You know, they're banging form as well. I was chatting to him the other day and he really fancies where they're going, really likes looking at them under Michael Carrick, done a really good job. Um, very similar to, he's done a, carried a similar job to what Corbrand's done in a way. So yeah. come in, implemented his own style, got the results and banged the right up there in the mix. You know, they've got the fans back on side now. You know, Riverside's a big stadium, you know, and that's rocking yeah. at 28, 29,000 fans in, you know, it makes a huge difference. We touched, we were chatting before the pod, weren't we, about how Albion's tendencies are starting to creep up a little bit because things are getting a bit better, which is obviously how it naturally happens in football. And that always makes a difference when the when your stadium's rocking and you've got, you know, if you're 80, 90% capacity, always makes a difference. You... You'd have to say Albion now are well placed to to be one of the favourites to grab a, a playoff spot. You, well, you, I think I think you've got to say that. To be no, I, th- I think we definitely are. We might be yeah. favourites to to finish third. I'm going to check while you're talking, Jamie. I'm going to just double check the odds. Um, yeah, um, definitely be one of the favourites for the playoffs. I, I, I would I would think now as, as an Albion fan, the minimum expectations of playoffs now. You, you've got you've, you've had that you had that fantastic run. You've put yourself in solid foundations. Corbrand and the players know exactly what he wants to do, how he wants to play. So for me now, if it was Wolves and Albion's boots, it was the way around, 100% minimum expectation to play off. You know, yeah, you can have aspirations of trying to catch the top two and pick away, chip away that, 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 that gap. But, you know, I think that's going to be a little bit too much, but definitely the playoffs, 100%. And to be fair, mate, I, I wouldn't have been expected to have this conversation the last time we were recording. It just shows <laughs> how things can change in football really quick. I say really quickly, to be fair, has been probably about a couple of months since we last recorded, to be fair. It has, but it is, it is very quick. It's stark contrast considering it's only 10 games. It's like a different yeah, yeah. football club. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's got the play, you know, he's coming in. Some players don't like playing for certain managers and then a new manager comes in and they just click and and and, and, yeah. and they get on and then all of a sudden they're getting so bloody, oh, where's this lad come from? You know, so for me, he's done a really, really good job. Um, Albion are in as probably the best position 
that they could have hoped or wished for in their wildest dreams. Um, and now they've just got to kick on. Like I say, they will have a bit of a tougher one coming up because the, the fixtures have been more favourable pre-New Year. But, you know, they're banging form. You know, Albion can go to teams like Burnley, can go to Middlesbrough, can go to Sheffield United, whoever, you know, and go there and expect to give a game and, and expect not, not go there and think, oh, well, we don't come away with it. You know, go there and expect to, 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 to turn them over or, or get points. Yeah. Um, that's the attitude they've got to have now because they are the, the one of the, you know, third, is it third, third best team on, on form. Um, yeah. Sort of thing. So, so yeah, it, it's all, you know, very, very positive. You know, from an Albion perspective, the the, the the change has been justified. You know, um, and yeah, really no, let, let let's be honest, the change was justified regardless of of how the new regime went. Yeah, um, Bruce, it was a car crash. Like, it, yeah, hundred percent. Bad. We had to change. But Jamie, I'd rather have you as a Wolves fan in charge of Albion than yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce. Um, yeah. It was. It would have been a better job, to be fair. But yeah, I th- honestly, I think. Yeah, um, just going back to Albion's fixtures, you make a really good point, JB, about the the fact they're going to turn. That's just yeah. the way the fixture list works. Um, beyond that tricky run I said, where we've got Burnley, well, the, the full run is um, Luton, Burnley, Wigan, Coventry, Blues, Blackburn, Watford, Borough, Hull, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Sheffield United, which will take us to like mid-March. Um, I know it's a long run of fixtures, but that's like our next 10. So yeah. We've got 22 points, I think, from our last 10. No, 24 points from our last 10. Um, if we get 15 from those next 10, I'd probably be happy. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's the way Corbrand will be looking at it. Um, he is a relentlessly intense manager. Um, a little bit like Lopetegui seems at Wolves as well, Jay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So animated on the touchline, so enthusiastic in his interviews. Um, when he was an, when he was announced, I listened to a podcast with um, William Balague, the the Sky Sports Spanish correspondent, and he had Corberan on just after the playoffs um, with Huddersfield. So he wasn't Albion manager at the time, um, and his enthusiasm for football is just in um, it's contagious, it's insatiable, it's it's so so um everything he lives and breathes. So I don't think Corbrand will be looking at the fixture list and thinking No, not at all. That's the, that's the point I was making about about yeah, the attitude yeah. of going when you get to Burnley or you get to Sheffield United, going, oh you know, we'll hope for the best sort of thing. We don't get anything, it doesn't matter. We don't we don't expect anything. You know, the attitude now with Albion will be we're gonna go there and compete. We're gonna go there and try and get something. You yeah. know, we're, we're 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 in it now, we're in the mix and and, and why not? Why not? Hundred percent. Um, the the downside to this, well, I say downside. I'll come back to why it might be a positive in a minute. But the downside to this is the fixtures are getting moved again. Um, now we're a draw and Steve Bruce is gone. Um, the Blues game has been moved to a Friday. The Burnley game was already a Friday. Uh, the Watford game is now a Friday, and I think one more game might have moved. Um, which is it's par for the course, really. In the yeah. crunch time in the season, you're going to be on TV if you're in the hunt. But it, it is frustrating for Albion fans who try to go to um, all the away games in particular because you just can't get to all of them if they're on a no, Friday. No. Um, how well. But it's going to bring a little bit of revenue into the club and um, nobody listening to this podcast will be oblivious to the fact that Albion's financial position is under much scrutiny at the moment. There's a little bit of smoke and mirrors and no one's really sure on the full situation of the club. However... Um, a £20 million loan has been taken out um, from MSD Holdings, the same um, 
loan company who did Derby's loan, which is ominous, um, from MSD Holdings, um, in order to run the club. Apparently, that's the that's what's been come out. That's what's come out from uh, the board, from Rongole, from um, from Ken, and it is um, very worrying. We are. We are a club who've always lived to our means. And I think under Jeremy Peace, um, he was incredibly, incredibly tight with his budget. And then uh, Gauchan Lai's come in, not maybe realising how difficult it is to run a football club um, self-sustainably. And he had this model of self-sustainability. And I just don't think it has transpired the way he thought it would. Obviously, he still owes the club um, five million quid in loans. Jeremy Peace still owes the club, I think, £3.7 million in loans. We now owe MSD Holdings, plus interest, £20 million in loans. Nine and a half percent. Is that what it is? The loans at. Yeah. So that's a million a year, pretty much. Staggering interest rate. Staggering. No, it's not a million a year. It's nearly two million a year. Um, that is a staggering interest rate. Um yeah, and I don't know how we can afford that without promotion or promotion. Yeah. Um, and the playoffs might be the best way to go up um, for the money that that would bring in as well. I don't know. I, I can't yeah. believe this conversation about a club the size of Albion and a club that has been run the way Albion has been run for the last 10 years. But um, I think it's a, it's a reminder of what can happen when someone who is trying to make a quick book from a football club takes over a football club with no investment in growing the football club. Yeah. It's a reminder of what can happen when, when events like that transpire. However, it's not what we're qualified to talk about JB. No. Uh, we are fans of the football clubs. Um, there are economists out there. Kieran Maguire does the price of football podcast, and I'm sure he'll be covering Albion in depth. If anyone is interested in that, I'm going to try and keep it light, keep it positive, not talk about the, very worrying off the field scenes at Albion and try and talk about the positivity that Carlos Corberan has built. Um, and I'm sure Albion fans will forgive me for that. Um, there are other places to get your um, doom coverage of Albion and I'm going to try <laughs> to positive. Um, JB, there is another team in the black country. Um, there's another team in the black country with a Spanish manager. Um, it's not Warsaw. It no. is Wolves. <laughs> JB, talk to me about the impact that Julian Lopetegui has made in his short period at the helm at Molyneux. Been a positive start, mate. Really, really enjoyed him coming in and sort of implementing what what you'd expect from, in my opinion, an elite European manager. Well, what is that? What does it look like? What are the what are the changes you've seen in this really short period that that make you feel positively about Wolves? The, the players look different on the pitch, mate. They look well. The first thing that he did, he obviously took them. He took them to Marbella on the piss. No, uh, took them to Marbella. <laughs> on a 10-day training camp to obviously assess them and, and things like that. And it was pretty quickly came out, um, John Percy and uh, another journo, obviously, leaked story. First thing he picked up on was how fit they were uh, under Bruno Large. And a bit, a, 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 I'll say great, it was a great article to read, but it was it was shocking um, to read about what how bad it was under Bruno Large. Um, I think as fans, and I think anybody looking into Wolves was aware things weren't quite right. His demeanour, the way the players were, the results, the style of play, he was massively out of his depth. And I've touched on it here before. I've, I've tried to buy into him as much as you can. You do, and it's your manager. You, you try to buy into Bruce as and when you can, you do, because it's a manager of your football club. But 
it was obvious from a long time ago that Lars, that there's something wrong with Lars. I don't think he was out of his depth, but well, he was out of his depth. But there was major issues, and Lopetegui came in and picked up on that straight away. First of all, massive lack of fitness in the, in the squad. Massive lack. It was it was quite it was quite alarmed by it, apparently. So the Marbella sort of um, training camp was based around extra fitness sessions, extra running to get them into that. Because there was a stat that came, we, we hadn't we hadn't scored after the 60th minute in the Premier season, um, which is a shocking stat because basically we were knackered because there was no fitness. Um, funny thing, actually, me and Esso were messaging you the other day, and you'll you'll laugh at this when that when that article came out. I said, "Oh, when we record on the pod, I'm going to have a little. I'm going to sort of raise a little chink to myself um, because that on-running joke from yourself about how you've never known anyone with a vendetta as much as me against the Wolves medical team." Um, has been completely utterly vindicated and justified because it came out that Bruno Large decided to scrap medical tests on new players. Um, hence why Sasa Kaladzic snapped his ACL in the first 45 minutes. Hence why Pedro Neto was made to play on. Um, and hence why the medical staff team were sacked immediately. Um, You're in the wrong career, JB. I know, mate. I know. Um, I mean, to me, it was pretty obvious, but. And, and so, that, so the first thing he did was, was almost root out all the issues that Bruno Lager had, had, had left. If I can, JB, just for a second to play devil's advocate here. Um, yeah. Wolves have a small sample size, I know. It's only three games. But Wolves have lost the XG battle in all three games under yeah. Lopetegui in the league. Um, 0.8 goals, uh, expected goals for against Everton. Yeah. Um, 1.7 against. Um, so... Yeah. Pretty yeah. comprehensive. Um, 0.74 against um, United, two expected goals against, yeah. and then 0. 0.94, 1.8 against against Villa. Yeah. One thing I will say quickly in uh, for that Villa game, Wolves scored in the first half, so game state is going to massively impact that because Wolves would have been um, trying to hold on to that lead, and Villa would have been, of course, having more chances than Wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, you know, maybe there's a Maybe there's a suggestion that four points from those three games is slight overperformance. Um, what do you think, JB? Yeah, possibly. Uh, like I said, it's it, it didn't feel that way in in, okay. in in the Villa game. Listen, the Everton game. I'll be honest, Everton could have been outside to half time. I remember we, we we sat there watching, and I felt quite poorly at the time, so it was a bit of a blur. Remember just thinking, what is this? Like this is, you know, Benny Money's had like a month and a half with them or something. Like this is this is ridiculous. Everton could have been outside. I mean, and Everton are poor, really poor. Um, but 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 somehow we sort of got ourselves together. We managed to equalise pretty quickly after they'd opened the scoring, and then then second half we came on a lot stronger, and and they looked like they would faded. I mean, the, the funny thing was, it was it's probably the Everton fans that cost them in a way because the Everton fans are really getting on their back because they obviously didn't think a point at home to us was good enough. And they were kind of booing and encouraging Michael Keane, I think it was, to sort of oof the ball as far into our box as they could. And then obviously we nicked in, we had five men bombing forward, you know, which, which is great to see because that was obviously something that Lopetegui, with his fitness plan and what he picked up on, wasn't happening on the large. And we had five men bombing forward. Everton couldn't get near us. Yeah. We managed to get a last-minute winner. Um, United game, again, it was weird one the United game because even though again you know listen they had some clear, they had a couple of clear good chances Jose saw made a fantastic save from Garnacho 
Martial, I think he got flagged offside in the end, but Martial missed like a header in the six-yard box. They had a couple of chances and it was a bit of a nothing game really up to up until when Marcus Rashford scored. It was piss poor defending really. I think if Samedo hadn't got... I mean, I need to touch on this quickly. The refereeing performances, particularly that Everton and Man United game, are two of the worst I've ever seen. And that's saying something because we've seen some bad ones over the years. It seems to be getting worse, the refereeing. It's absolutely... And this isn't me being biased against what... It was... It, particularly the Everton game was awful for both teams. It was just generically awful. But the Man United game, the ref, and it's the ref, and I think he's, I think it's Rob Jones. I, think, I can't know what his name is. I'm sure Rob Jones or Rob something is in my head. It, it was Rob, Robert Jones, yeah. He's a, he's a show pony. Um, he's, he's a, he's a B-Tech Mark Clattenburg. And basically... <laughs> He um, he loves himself and it's all about him and and, he, and his decision making and the consistency was non-existent and basically he booked Nelson Semedo in the first half for the most nothing challenge you've ever seen in your life. Like he hadn't even made a foul to this point, Semedo. Literally, he tripped someone up and it was it, it was a nothing challenge. I wish I had the clip to show you. It, it was ridiculous. It, it was never booking. Him. I, watched, it, I watched it, mate. I watched it. Yeah, together. Of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and that all of a sudden puts some, you know, and that puts you, uh, you fall back in a precarious position for the rest of the game. Um, you know, and then Casemiro sort of went through one of our lads, yeah. it was, didn't even get booked, and then yeah. in the second half, did one of those cynical fouls where he pulled someone back because on the break, which I believe actually should result in red cards, and that should be a new law, which actually a German referee has recently proposed. So, uh, you, is that you only think it should be a red card when it's against Wolves, or you think it should be a red card in? I know it depending depending on where it is on the I think when these cynical fouls are made and they they and in essence they do stop a goal scoring opportunity just because it's outside the box. Yeah. It, do you know what I'm saying? It's still a match. Oh, I agree. I agree. With a goal scoring opportunity. I agree. So anyway, but then obviously so we had to hoik Nelson Tomato to just very quickly on that JB. I know this is a tangent, but I, I agree, but not because it's stopping a goal scoring opportunity. I agree because if you're not trying to play the ball, yes. And you like I, the pullback, fair enough. That's a yellow. But the ones where they'll they'll take somebody out, not trying yeah. to play the ball when they're running a full on that's that's dangerous, man. What are you doing? I I don't understand rugby that well. I like to watch a signation, signation, but I don't understand it. But I, I'm sure I've seen in rugby, and maybe I'll get pelters and get on that sort of case. But I'm sure when rugby players make cynical fouls that have nothing to do with the game, they get like sim bins or, or they, yeah, yeah, they get yeah. red cards. The thing is, JB, we're not going to get pelters because I don't think we have a very big rugby audience listening to the No, back. no, no, but, but yeah. No. So, yeah, so so, 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 so I got hoiked off. We've got Johnny, who just isn't a bit like the Jimenez, isn't the same player what he was since his ACLs. And and and, and ultimately, it, 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 he got bullied for, for, for the Rashford's goal. You know, listen, we could, Jimenez had a free head in the six yard box in the last minute, probably should have scored it off a corner. I think two years ago, would have scored, three years ago, would have scored it. That would have been a really undeserved point, but it just shows that games have funny twists and turns. Um, and then the Villa game, first 45 minutes, Kieran, was was the best first half I've seen in a long, long time. Really? It was absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Villa that one I didn't watch, uh, I, I didn't catch it. Yeah, Villa could not get near us, mate. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, Kirk, I was losing his head in our group chat and what have you. It was Quite, quite brilliant for those first 45 minutes. Um, it, we were just outstanding, mate. They could not cope with the high press. Um, Neves, Moutinho um, and, and Nunes in, in that midfield three. Uh, 
shoot, knock me down with a feather. You play one of the best players in Europe in his favourite position. He suddenly actually is a fucking decent player, Matthias Nunes, playing as an eight, and he fucking does the job. Imagine my shock. Um, they couldn't get near us. After, it was fun. We, we should have been out. However, teams should have been out of sight against us. We should have been out of sight against Villa. We were outstanding. And then the first 15 minutes after the, after, the, the, after the first half, again, Villa obviously came on a little bit, you know, and they made a couple of changes, brought Danny Ings on, who always seems to score against us and what have you. And naturally, like you said, they were going to push for an equaliser, we were going to sit back a bit. But the funny thing is, like, even though Villa in the second half were the better side, if you like, and felt like they had more of the ball and, and create, and, and, and I say they created more, we got in, we got, we got in, we got in, in, in behind them a number of times in that mm. second half. It's not like we, we had to defend for 45 minutes. Traore got inside a couple of times because he hasn't got a left foot, you know, ended up in Rosehead. Um, you know, Matthias Cunha came on. He was only 20 minutes, a bit of a cameo, but you can see he's a very intelligent player, makes runs in behind. Very, very good. Eight Nori got mm. in. He's obviously playing eight Nori in an yeah. advanced role now. I thought Aitnori um, really wasted that chance late on. I yeah, that, yeah, where he lashed it at the keeper. Yeah, I think he, he could have squared. He could have squared it. Yeah, you know. So that there was three or four, three or four um, times that I can think of the top of my head where we 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 got in, we got in behind Villa, and that was that was us defending as well, and we still got in. Um, but obviously, I mean, the goal was so poor to concede, so so poor. Just a simple, simple ball over the top. Kilman's caught out of position. Collins is racing back. Lovely finish by them. But actually, you know, Jose Sars come out and he slipped. If he hadn't slipped, does that make a bit of a difference? I don't know. Either way, it's a good finish by Danny Ings. Well, I think um, Wolves played an offside trap there because that's the only reason I could no, think of it. We, 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 we just attacked and Max Kilman had, had, had gone up. Yeah. And in previous times when that happens, Neves usually drops in. Neves hadn't dropped. So Max Kilman's making up 10, 20 yards. That's why he just looked a really simple ball. And Collins yeah. is just in the gut. Um, and listen, everyone to talk about this Leon Bailey miss at the end. And yeah, so be it. But I still felt over the course of the 19, we were by far the better side. Um, That's what might be skewing the XG because that, that chance to be worth about 0.6 XG. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I just felt like Villa, they had... They had one cleared off the look. They, they brought this lad on, Augustinus or something his name was, and he, he hit a beautiful volley and Kilman cleared it off the line. Obviously, Danny Ings scored. That was awesome. Left. That clearance was class. You are sorry? That clearance was class. Yeah, it was incredible. And obviously, the Leon... But now, I know they were three clear-cut chances and they scored one, and I get that, but I felt like that was it. That was it throughout the whole game, whereas I felt like Wolf, whereas over the course of the, the 90, Wolves were definitely the more the dangerous side. And even when we were having to defend in the second half, Villa was still susceptible and we got in a number of times with, with, with ease, actually. Um, and that was really good. It was, and that's why I was disappointed, the fact that, you know, we didn't see it out because it was such a simple ball over the top that I, I think, well, apparently there's a little bit of an inquest as soon as they got, got in the changing rooms. But just touching on Lopez again and what he's brought in, the, the, the Kilman and Collins, they've gone from looking like Morecambe and Wise to, to Tooth fantastic centre-halves. They've been incredibly good these last couple, couple of weeks. Really, really impressive. Now, I think Lopetegui wants to bring in a couple of centre-halves or at least one, which would be interesting to see whether or not he, he, he displaces what dis, dis, dispenses in one of them. I don't know, but they've both been fantastic and that's been really pleased to see because under large, they just seemed awful. The high press is great to watch. You know, Samedo um, and, and Hugo Bueno, they are literally just up them with, they are bombing on. 
It's great because that, that's what that's what their game's about. Samedo is a very, very quick player, as is Hugo Bueno. And we were utilising those flanks really, really impressively. He's playing Nunes in his right position. We play a lot, a lot of ball retention. It's all about possession with Lopetegui, which is something I've read on an athletic article before, well, as he just signed for as he just signed the, the contract to become manager. Very, very possession-based. I don't think I've ever seen Jose Sarr not do a long goal kick as often as it. We, we we never we we never play a long goal kick. We play out from a goal kick all the time. It's the same, like, the same out, and it shows it shows the um the impact that the tiki taka era had on Spanish coaching. Yeah, it's it, it's incredible. I mean, at times it's heart in mouth moments to be honest with you, because people when they're in the teams push up a little bit and they close down. Yeah. It's not easy to get away with it every time. But no. you know, I think <laughs> saw Jose saw do a long Sorry, goal JB. kick. Again, like, it's, Again, it's a digression, but such is the cultural impact of Tiki Taka and that um, Guardiola team and the Del Bosque Spanish yeah. team. You've got players like Nathan Collins and Eric Peters playing out from the back yeah. of Albion and Wolves. And it's like, what? What? You never, ever, ever have seen that coming. Um, so Nathan Collins, got to say, for big, I mean, he, I mean, he went on, he goes on these driving runs. He's almost got a bit of Harry Maguire in him. Good. Yeah. About him, the way he drives out from the back. You say Harry um, Maguire in a good way. I, 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 know, I don't know how that works. That, that, that came out of my mouth. I was like, what am I saying? Um, but listen, very, very all, good. Yeah, in all seriousness, there's definitely an improvement. You can definitely see he's implemented a style. You can definitely see that we, fingers crossed, because there's, listen, there's, there's three weeks after the transfer window, three and a half weeks. You know the 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 sort of rumours and the things that are coming out in the club world that there's going to be a bit of a war chest. Obviously, Cunha is coming on a loan with an obligation to buy. I can't say how much about him, but you know he looked he looked lovely when he come on 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 Saturday. You know, you know, intelligent ones behind, got in a few times, good feet, won a few free kicks, didn't seem to shy away from the physical side of things, which which is good to see. We definitely need some more strength and depth. Bibcard Traore is out for two months, which is really disappointing because I really like the look of him. The midfielder we've got on loan from Mets. Um, he's got a groin issue. Daniel Pedence come off injured. We've got three games in seven days, the latter two of which are, are way more important than tonight. So the, the, the need for signings is huge. I mean, Wolves fans can be a little bit funny when it comes to stuff like this. I think all fan bases are similar, but Wolves fans in particular seem to be very much like the take what gets said as gospel. And if that doesn't happen, it's like all hell kicks off. So Matt Hobbs, our sporting director, as we signed Cunha sort of, you know, on Christmas Day or whenever it was, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, he kind of made a statement that we want to get, we were looking to get two signings over the line before New Year's Eve, before New Year's Day, sort of, you know, this side of the year. And obviously that hasn't happened. So all of a sudden there's like question mark going, is Hulanov to be being sold down the river again, our folks and dicking around, but a bit of burn. I put a tweet out earlier saying what's a, what, what what people's thoughts, you know, is he being sold down the river or are we just being a bit impatient, Ben in mind it's January the seventh, and we're a week into the, the window. Um but either way, I would like to see some reinforcements this week. We are very thin on the ground. We seem to be picking up a few injuries here and there. We've got three games in seven days. They're all big games in their own right. Today, I'd love to see him just put the kids out to go to the queue. And I wouldn't want to see him risk anything. I would be happy if he played in the under-21 side. I would, that would not bother me whatsoever. Um, sort of thing. But I digress a little bit. I know we're going to sort of preview and talk about the upcoming games in a bit. But yeah, massively, massively impressed with him. I love his aura. He speaks really well. His press conferences, he's, he's, he's sort of... 
Um, identified what he needs, what the squad needs. Um, and I personally will be fine. I think we'll be okay. I think particularly, you know, next week, if we get the win next week, that sort of changes the complexion of the season massively. But I do think we need some signings, and I mean that definitely up top, mate, because, you know, Jimenez is done. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone um, before the end of the window. I think there's a bit of a rift between him and Lopetegui. Don't know what it is. Because Lopetegui came out in public and basically said he, he's disappointed that he went to the World Cup but then refused to train with Wolves uh, beforehand. Um, yeah. And he kind of went public about it. And then apparently, I must have missed it because I turned it off. But after the United game, apparently, Jimenez is in like quite an open public round, the pitch with some of the coaching staff. Don't know why. Um, and then obviously, he didn't get on against Villa um, at all. You know, he's obviously prefers Diego Costa, who has had some stick by the way, because obviously he hasn't scored and I think he's seen as a bit of a gimmicky signing. But actually, the Villa game, he was excellent. It was by far his best game and he's had force. His hold of play was superb. He's a present, um, isn't he? Very much a presence and he was excellent against Villa. You know, the Wolves fans have talked to him, you know. Wolves fans don't chant your name if they don't like you. They're pretty straight down the line, Wolves fans are, and they've, they've talked to him. Um, you know, and he was very, very good against Villa. Very good. So I'll give him credit, credit where, where credit's due. That by far his best game. Um just on the note of strikers with a presence yes, difference, um, we spoke for so long about the prospect of DK coming back at the Albion. So I just check yes. out in the Wolves discussion here. Um, yeah. And I just have to mention it. It's so nice to have him in the starting 11. Um, yeah. and, he, and he's had some stick from Albion fans. And, really? He misses too many chances. Yeah, he's missed a fair few chances, but like, he misses too many chances. Blah, 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 he's right. raw though, isn't he? You he's see raw. the way he plays, he's raw. Yeah, he's a battering ram and he's so so dangerous that he's going to create four or five chances a game. I'd rather have a striker create four chances and score one of them than a striker not get four chances in a game. I can't say I've watched a huge... I've seen him a few times and I've seen a few clips and I've watched him a few times. Do you know who he reminds me of? Go on. He reminds me of Carlton Cole. Okay. I think he's... And the way you... And I'm talking about Carlton Cole when he was... We had Carlton Cole on loan from Chelsea when he was like... 19, 20, 21, something. I mean, he was very young and he was very raw and he was just this sort of, this big lad, you know, a bit of strength, loads of pace, but a bit gangly in the way that he plays, but very, very raw. And you could just see that with a little bit of work and stuff, he'd be a good, a good he'll forge a good career. And he's yeah. got a bit of Carlton Cole about me. About I think, I think with, with, with DK, he's so, he's so anomalous. He's, it's hard to find a... a a really accurate comparison. Yeah. Um, I take the point, but he, he's just so strong um, that you almost, it's, it's hard to find a yardstick for that. Yeah. He's, and it's not strong like Akinfenwa, or it's not strong like like nasty strong like Diego Costa. It's pure athleticism and yeah, sense yeah. literally bounce off him. Like we yeah. throw that all around in football all the time. Eyes oh, bounce off him. Centre backs are ending up on their asses because because they've gone shoulder to shoulder with him. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. Maybe it did be like in bygone eras. But yeah, that's yeah. rare. And he's so quick and he's powerful and he's dangerous and he's an intelligent striker, but he's raw. Yeah. And that and, and that's what draws the criticism. I'll let you get back to Wolves now, JB. But Sandy asked me, a good friend of well friend of the pod, friend of yours, JB. Yeah. Um he asked me how, what's DK settling in like, and I, I told him I'd talk about it on the pod. So there we go, Sandy. That one's for you. Um, <laughs> but well, well, I say we'll get back to Wolves. 
you, you've alluded to the signings, JB, saying time right. and time again, you want you want more signings, you want to get yeah. players X position, Y position. Uh, yeah. We will talk in depth on signings next week. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear we are going to be back next week, guys. Um, it will be back to weekly recordings now. We're in the new year. Um, festive period's gone, World Cup's gone, back to usual scheduling. Um yeah. but as JB said, it's a very, very busy week this week. So I want to look ahead in the immediate future rather than um, towards the end of the transfer window. Um, We're recording on Saturday, um, which means we don't know the results of the FA Cup games yet. We're not going to waste time going through uh, a tactical breakdown or anything like that of Wolves against Liverpool or Albion against Chesterfield. Um, We're just going to chuck predictions out there. JB, are Wolves going to progress to round four of the FA Cup? No. Moving on. Are Albion going to progress to round four of the FA Cup? Yes. Okay. Wolves play another cup game midweek. They play... Um, <laughs> they play... <laughs> I'm not even joking. Um, they, they play Forest in the EFL Cup Wednesday yeah. night. That's a massive game. Huge game. Yeah. Really good game. How are you yeah, feeling, really- Davey? Would, would you accept... Oh, here's yeah. one. Would you accept... Relegation? No. For a cup win? No. Would you accept... 17th place and a cup win right now. Yes. Would you accept 17th place and no cup win right now? Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. yeah, I just want to, yeah, I just, I just think the, start, the, the situation we made, Wolves, we can dress it up all we want as Wolves fans. We talk about, we're not too big to go down. We're not too good to go down. We just need, we're in a situation where we're in a relegation battle and we need to survive. Bigger yeah. and better clubs and better squads have gone down the walls. That's You're telling me. Um, you know, so I, I don't like this sort of this ego thing that some Wolves fans have where it's like, oh, we'll be okay, you know. We, not, nothing's given. So for me, we're in a relegation battle. We're second from bottom. We've been crap all season. We've got to survive. That's imported to the nature of our club and where we want to kick on and do. You know, mm-hmm. if we want to keep Hula Lopetegui, we want to attract players like Matthias Cunha, try and keep Nunes... Neves will be gone in the summer. We know that. I think it's pretty much done deal with Barcelona. That's been signed and sealed, I think, in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, with Frank Kessie, possibly, or Nico Gonzalez coming the other way as part of that. Um, which I'm going to take, actually. We, get, we can get Fian a player in return for someone who we've had seven years out of, and he's been absolutely incredible. Um, and stayed with us a lot longer than what he should have. All, all best to him. But I digress. So... Staying up is imperative. Flyingham Forest, big, big game. Great chance for cup semi-final. You never know what's going to happen in the other games. If you avoid one of the big teams, you've got to crack at the final. Forest will be banged up for it. It's away to midweek under the lights. Morgan Gibbs White will be wanting to sort of turn on the performance as, as he, as he, you know, as you do against ex ex teammates and ex clubs. I hope if we rest enough players today, which gives players, you know, players should be able to play two games in a week. Wednesday, Saturday, not an issue in my not, not an issue in my my book. I hope he goes full strength Wednesday night in, in prep for Saturday as well. Um, I'm going to go for a two-one victory against Nottingham Forest. Ooh, I'm going to go for a one-all penalty straight, straight to penos win for Wolves. I think you'll sneak through on pens. Okay. Uh, a good atmosphere at 
Um, yeah, do you know what? Rest on Wednesday. I've too far. I've been offered. A, do you know what? I'm, I'm at work Wednesday night, and I'm gutted because I've been offered a couple of tickets, and I, I, I'd have really loved to have gone there. I like Forest. It's a lovely. It's a good away day. Really good away day. Yeah, it's sold out under the lights. All the cliches. Quarter final yeah. of a of a cup will be the first time Forest have reached a semi of a cup in a long time as well. If they win that, so um, yeah, a bit old school that cup tie. Um, yeah, it is. It very much is. Yeah, very very much is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. Um, and then one more Wolves fixture this week, JB. Um, it's massive. Um, back to the Premier League. Um, and I think if Wolves do want to distance themselves from the relegation battle a little bit, um, Wolves against West Ham is vital. They're one point behind West Ham at the moment. West Ham sit in uh, 17th position at the moment. A win would take Wolves up to 15th, I believe. Yeah. Um, obviously they would still be in the relegation battle but yeah. it's massive JB um, talk to me about Wolves-West Ham not really much to say mate I think you've covered it it's a huge game everyone can see look at the Premier League table it's huge it's a must win you know listen we could have held on against Villa and took the three points would have given us a little bit of a buffer maybe we could have gone to that West Ham game thinking you know your points not, not not the end of the world but I don't want that attitude anyway we're good enough to, 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 to beat teams on that, I believe. West Ham, I'm not dismissing West Ham. They're a good side and are probably lining a false position, but ultimately they're there like we are. And that's for a reason. But at home, sold out, we, we've got to go for it. And for me, it's got to be a must win. Um, you know, we've got Man City away the week after. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I can't quite think of what fixtures we've got after January, to be honest with you. I don't think Liverpool, I think, directly after Man City. Yes, yeah, so we've got a couple of tough ones. So for me, it's got to be three points because the couple of games after that, you're looking at potentially zero. Um, and for that reason, you know, I'd say under Bruno Large, where we just seem a bit clueless, you, they're the kind of games where we crumble. Um, but under Lopetegui, potentially a couple of new signings in the next seven days. Who knows? We don't know. Um, maybe not. We'll be able to talk about that next week. But I'm going to go 1-0 Wolves and and I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, I think I think it'd be a really interesting midfield battle because yeah. Wolves, do, Wolves don't really have legs in midfield. Well, Nunes, Nunes yeah. is a powerful runner. Um, but Moutinho and, and Neves, that's probably been their their Achilles heel a little bit. They've been yeah. around at times and they've got Rice and Paqueta in their midfield. Yeah. And I think that would be a really, really interesting game. Um, as you said, I feel, I feel they're in a bit of a false position, but there are no false positions, yeah. um, you know, this far into the season. Something is going wrong at West Ham. I think it's probably Antonio's goals. They've slowed them down because last season he scored for fun. Yeah. Um, and then he slowed down and friend of the pod, Esso, um, called that to be fair to him he oh. said that Antonio was was just on the hottest streak of his career and it would finish and he'd fall off a cliff and his goals have certainly dried up I, I think he's been playing I don't think he's been injured I just think he's been no. not scoring this yeah. season um, I, do, I do think that'll be a really really tight game and I don't like to predict a Wolves loss I, I don't do it very often I try to keep yeah. it really positive um, so I'm going to predict a draw I'm going to say nil-nil JB, yeah. which doesn't really help either team, but well, no, not really. But not that, really. yeah, it's it's not ideal. But I'm going to predict a nil nil, uh-huh. um, and hopefully, um, you don't get anything against City and Liverpool either. And then when you go down, and we can come. No, I'm joking, JB. I'm joking. <laughs> um, on the subject of Albion, though, we're just going to finish with a little prediction for the um, Albion Luton game. 
that it's so annoying that they, that, that that sells out so quick. Even as a season ticket holder, you struggle to, if you're a away season ticket holder, you get yeah. a ticket. If you're a home season ticket holder, you struggle to get a ticket for Kenilworth Road. Um, difficult to know how many more seasons there's going to be at Kenilworth Road if we'll play Luton again. It's a ground that a lot of people want to tick off their 92. Um, but I didn't get a ticket, annoyingly, and it's really not that far from me here. Um, so I will not be there on Saturday. But Albion will be at Kenilworth Road on Saturday and will be playing Luton. This is Luton under Rob Edwards now, rather than Luton under um, under Nathan Jones. And they've started really, really well. Um, they've won three games in seven days. And they are another team banging for They're another team with playoff ambitions. This is a really, really big game for Albion. Um, because I feel like we've climbed the mountain. We've got back to the playoff chase. We're one point outside the playoffs. If we lose this game, it would be a little bit deflating. Yeah. Or we win this game and it's like, okay, we climbed the mountain and we're still climbing. So I feel like it's a little bit of um, an impasse in the season. Uh, I, I, I think... I think we'll win, but it's tough. It, 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 that's not a nice place to go. Luton no. away is not a nice place to go, but I think we've got enough. I think we ride the crest of the wave that we're on, and I think Daryl DK will will score seven goals and we'll win. Um, I think 2-0 Albion. I'm going to go 2-0, keep it tight again at the back. JB, what do you think for that one? Tight game, good game. Wouldn't mind watching, but it won't be for watching the Wolves instead. And <laughs> I'm going to go two all. Nice. Okay. It's interesting that you think we'll concede two out of nowhere, but maybe, maybe it will be the chickens coming home to roost a little bit. We've not been, you know, we've we've conceded a fair few good chances. Yeah. Um, Alex Palmer's been been very very good. A note on Alex Palmer. Um, Steve Bruce not playing Alex Palmer cost him his job. Simple as that. Persisting with David Button, game after game after game, and we were making mistakes that were leading to losing games, just cost Steve Bruce's job. Yeah. So it's, you see Alex Palmer and you think, wow, he's a top, top championship um, goalkeeper. It's like watching Sam Johnston again. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I'm happy to have him and uh, happy to not have Steve Bruce anymore. So that's yeah. worked out quite well. Um, if you have enjoyed the pod, guys, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, get in touch on Twitter. If you have any questions, um, anything you want to query us on, um, or just anything to say in general. Uh, we'll be back with weekly episodes now. We're in the new year and we will hopefully be talking about an upturn in form under the Spanish guidance of um, Lopetegui, just as we have with Corbrand as well. Um, JB, anything to add before we sign off? No, mate. Have a lovely weekend and uh, up the walls. Oh, I'm going to have to edit that bit out now, JB. I can't finish my <laughs> Have a lovely weekend, guys. I hope that uh, your team wins. Unless it's a pure Wolves fan. <laughs> <laughs>